Hi, David Thaxton here from Consultex, and welcome to podcast number 10 of Everything Business Consulting, our weekly podcast. This is a weekly podcast for those of you who are already a business consultant who want to improve their skills, are a sole accountant or you own an accounting firm and want to introduce consulting services to your firm, are an ex-corporate who wants to get out of the rat race and become a self-employed business consultant, or you've owned a business and now want to use the skills that you've learned to help others in business. ConsultX is an online cloud-based consulting system that has everything you require to become a successful business consultant. If you want to find out more, have a look at the website, the details at the end of this podcast. Today we're going to be interviewing Barry, who was one of my clients when I lived in Australia. So let's get started. Hi Barry, good to have you on the show today. Welcome. Morning David. What we're doing today, we're going to talk to Barry. Barry uh, is an ex-client of mine for when I uh, lived in Australia, uh, and which was from 2002 to about 2011. Um, but for about six years of that time, I was an independent business consultant. I was by myself before we started the franchise and before Consultex started. So, so that was what I did. But I've asked Barry to come on to the podcast show today to have a talk to um, all of us because some of the things that happened in his business, I think, will be very useful for um, whether you're an existing consultant or whether whether you want to be a consultant. Um, be very interesting for you to see what actually really goes on inside a business. Um, I can tell you, it's not all um, it's not all roses and caviar and and um, and um, something like about 80% of businesses worldwide go broke in their first 10 years. You probably know about that. So I thought this was a particularly interesting story. So thanks for helping us out with this, Barry. So can we just start by getting you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your personal background? Sure. I spent a uh, lot of time uh, in the early days with great motivation of wanting to get into business after being with the government, a very secure government job for 10 years. Uh, but I'd set goals to be at a certain age and uh, live in an idyllic uh, area on the east coast of Australia, somewhere near the surf, and, um, and to run my own business, which I did pretty much within days of the date I'd set, uh, which was terrific. And um, so I went <coughs> uh, and kept growing my businesses uh, till I got to a point where yeah, they, uh, I thought I was in control, and I guess the, uh, the businesses thought they were in control, and, uh, which I believe is a fairly common, common scenario these days where you uh, outgrow your ability, and uh, as a result, I needed help, and that I, I guess that's where you came in, David, eventually, but, but I'm not But sure. before that, Barry, before that, um, what, what, what business um, were you in? I was in the media um, prior, prior to actually coming across to work for myself, and uh, I then decided that um, I would like to have something associated with uh, the media game, so I moved into electronics, and... Um, so I had an electronics store for, um, ooh, let me see, uh, 
I guess over about two decades, a little bit longer, um, but that also branched into other areas. It initially started with a, uh, a retail electronics store which sold televisions, and, uh, yeah, video cameras and um, hi-fi systems, so fairly traditional audio-visual store in those days. Okay, you're kind of like the, um, a smaller version of Harvey Norman. Yeah, without all the furniture and trappings and the, yeah. the audio-visual side. Yes, we even delved into computers when they became popular and, uh, and mobile phones as well. Okay, tell us about the growth of the business because as I remember, you had a retail store uh, in a shopping centre um, and, then, and then you stopped the retail store and you went into a freestanding business. That's specifically concentrated in, in one area, didn't it? Yeah, well, the competition got quite strong or was strong in the general retail, although we were specialists in areas. So uh, we decided that uh, with the, end, the advent of um, home theatres and things like that, we started getting involved in the installation. And that uh, was an area which was quite new because of the uh, industry. And uh, so we started pioneering the installation side of things and using clever technology, uh, which was great. And uh, we had a very, very good business. And uh, so we then eventually moved away from the retail side of things to focus on the installation and uh, uh, and the sale of the products with the installation. So we created a bit of a niche and um, Yeah, and that worked well for a fair time Okay, um, I remember that uh, that at one stage a lot of your um, your your time was was spent in um, piecing together a, a joint venture um, across Australia of um, about five, I think it was, five or six similar type companies. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, that was, that was an interesting scenario and a, uh, an ex-accountant uh, who was working independently um, suggested, uh, because we were united as a front, we had similar products and brands and some of those brands united us uh, into a, uh, a large group of companies with similar interests across Australia, we looked at the next step and that, that involved potentially merging the companies to give people the option of either having an exit strategy, uh, some people were getting close to retirement, some of the owners of the other businesses, um, others had different things they wanted to do and the uh, I guess they gave us a scenario of one plus one could equal three. And uh, so we were quite interested in potentially merging, merging all these businesses for a uh, mutual gain. And um, some were going to stay in the group and others were going to move on. So uh, I was elected a person to uh, take responsibility on behalf of the uh, owners so I started to spend a lot of time away from my own business, which we later know, David, was uh, possibly not the best option at the time. Had the uh, merger uh, finally come to fruition, then uh, I guess in hindsight it would have been a great uh, result. 
but there are reasons that that didn't happen. Uh, I'm not sure how deep you want me to go into there, but uh, well, um, th there was one significant event that um, that happened. It wasn't there. Yes, yes, it was um, one of the uh, uh, the customers, or not the customer, I should say, the business owners. Um, yeah, had, had some health issues and uh, had to pull out. And he was a significant player, and um, and that kind of brought the uh, the process to its knees. Um, we also had uh, other interested parties, like bigger companies, looking to, um, I guess, purchase either the total entity um, or individual entities from the group at the same time. So it was a it was a fairly rocky road at times, uh, trying to keep all the business owners on the same path to success um, based on a lot of the distractions that were, or even hurdles that were presented to us. And uh, I think the uh, underlying reason for that was they felt that if they could break us up, these bigger companies um, would be uh, easier pickings for them than to buy us as a whole where we would have a lot stronger base. So, uh, yeah, it was a particularly interesting period of time. Uh, but it certainly took my attention away from my home base and I spent a lot of time travelling around Australia uh, trying to make this, uh, this collaboration happen. So it's a clear case of... Um uh, it's not so much a lack of focus, it's just that your focus was on something else uh, and you were kind of split in half. Yes, I did have other businesses. Uh, I did keep a, uh, a couple of other retail businesses in similar areas and we also were very much cutting edge in the technologies and we had a small research and development business as well um, looking at... Uh, uh, the technology of the day and how we could be pioneers in, in technology in the type of uh, work that we were doing. So, uh, yes, I guess my, um, my time was spread fairly thin uh, amongst all the activity that we had at that particular time. So uh, I, I heavily relied on people in my other businesses to do the right thing and to continue the vein of success that we had uh, experienced earlier um, in our career. But as you know, David, that wasn't to be. And uh, I, I guess as a business owner, you really must know who that you have working with you uh, or for you. Um, to feel confident that you can do other things and that was a massive lesson that I learnt in my history of uh, owning businesses that um, yeah you don't necessarily take people on face value or what they potentially put forward to you uh, and what they can do for you and your business yeah my fingers were severely burnt can you can you tell us and our listeners about the 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 two clicks story, because um, that was kind of fused in, in the same time, wasn't it? And what actually happened there? I was convinced by a senior staff member that uh, we needed to upgrade our computer system, which we did. Uh, we had used 
in the early days a MyOB system we had used a a QuickBooks which was uh, uh, became Quicken or I'm not sure the, the actual route that they used but it was all very similar and um, and not without its issues but there were certain things that this particular um, software package wasn't delivering to the type of business that we'd evolved into uh, and we'd outgrown it um, so we were looking for a better system at the time two clicks was it looked the part it was doing a lot of heavy advertising on the Sunday business programs you know in the mornings that you see on or Australian national television yep. and they uh, they certainly looked like the credible thing. Um, as it turns out, they were a breakaway from a QuickBooks organisation or a branch of QuickBooks, and they had been designing this particular software. Um, I was convinced by my, at the time, general manager uh, of my major business that this was the software package for us and it was going to alleviate all our issues particularly which we had with uh, stock control and things like that which uh, when you're in a installation and, uh, contracting business uh, can be pretty hard to keep track of so yeah so I must admit I was probably the most antsy of the whole company so they organised a meeting with the owners of Two Clicks, and I remember it vividly in the boardroom. And that's how I knew it came from QuickBooks, is when they, I walked into the boardroom, I recognised a person that was involved in the uh, QuickBooks issues that we'd had. And, um, and to be honest, I didn't trust this person, but um, I was persuaded, so I brought in independent um, evaluators to look at this system. Other people uh, assisted me in administration. I brought everyone I could to the table. But I guess Two Clicks was marketed quite well. And um, yeah, we were eventually uh, convinced. I wouldn't say convinced, that's probably too strong a word. Uh, they probably won out in the particular software that we needed to apply to our business at the time. That's when a lot of further problems started eventuating. And uh, because two clicks at the time was relatively new, and although they promised the adaptation of our business methods to their system as a seamless thing, it certainly wasn't. And uh, my bank uh, had had other experiences and they were quite surprised and uh, I guess um, disappointed even when they learnt that we had um, swapped to this system because as it turns out they had had similar uh, stories of desperation from other clients who had taken on two clicks as well. So, so it just fell apart did it? It didn't do what it said it would do and it seemed like that we were on a beta version and uh, they were trying to invent the system while applying it to our company, which was uh, yeah, which was a huge setback for us because we really found ourselves in the same place as we were previously, but worse because we'd spent a lot of time 
and training, bringing people across from one system to another. And the morale of the staff was quite low. Uh, and uh, it actually went south from there when things that were promised didn't eventuate. So yes, it made, the, uh, made our administration um, very untidy. And uh, to be honest, we, uh, we never really recovered from that system. Uh, amongst and other we met that guy up north who had the same, um, the same situation as you with two clicks. Yeah, well, I believe there was a number of people that were uh, marketed to very well. Um, look, the product looked sensational with the advertisements they had on um, the television, and it's a very strong medium, and when you put it up against the, the big business players of the day, um, yeah, you tend to get conned, and I think that's what we were. So um, <clears throat> for the benefit of our listeners out there, what's the moral of the story on, um, on computer software for big companies or medium-sized companies? Well, today it's a totally different story. Um, there's some fantastic software programs out there, um, and cloud-based solutions are so much easier. Um, <clears throat> in those days, um, we were pioneering new areas, and um, I'm not sure the software had actually caught up to where we were, or certainly with what we wanted to do. Um, in hindsight, I would have stayed where we were until we had absolutely proven the system. In fact, David, we ran both systems for at least a month to six weeks. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say, um, well, we were, were scared, petrified even, of swapping across. We knew what a, um, a significant um, problem it could be if it didn't work. Um, so we ran both systems, which was in itself a um, pretty tough exercise yeah. to have to um, put in information into both systems and run that for a period of time before we finally switched across. Yeah. And um, look, we weren't, uh, myself not being from an accounting background or an admin background, um, couldn't, couldn't say for sure it was working or not working, but my staff we're on the fence, um, but we've gone this far, spent a lot of money that I guess we eventually have to bite the bullet and go with it and rely on what they were telling us was going to happen. Um, unfortunately, it didn't, and, uh, yeah, it came unstuck. And, uh, yeah, there was a number of other issues that uh, had came from that as well. So, um, so, so I met you... Um really um, around about the start of the global financial crisis or the GFC as they call it, um, which um, um, at the time in Australia and New Zealand, um, we didn't think it was going to affect us down here because it came out of the States, but it, but my God, it did, didn't it? And can you tell us what, what happened there and and um, just a whole number of things happened simultaneously, like the GFC issue and, and your accountant, Rick. Uh, could you tell our listeners about that story? Well, when things were starting to get tough, and this was, um, I believe, prior to Two Clicks, uh, and I was working on a number of different projects. So again, as I said, my uh, problem there was not enough time at home, the home base. Um, 
I again was uh, can well not convinced I was uh, by my general manager at the time said um, I know someone who is what we term a corporate doctor uh, he's an accountant he works for big companies and he gets in there and sorts out their issues and uh, and I best I guess he gives you success so um, so I was introduced to him and he painted a fairly rosy picture he was working on a project a very large project uh, and where he told me he found 15 million dollars uh, for a big mining company and, uh, and that was the type of business that he normally worked in and he was a forensic accountant and could find all this information which when I employed him um, he supposedly did in our business as well uh, found monies that was uh, I guess owed to us from different areas and he, he could fix these things. Um, gee, I don't know, David, which part of the story to tell here, but um, the end well, One result- of the things that, as being your consultant um, during that period, one of the things that I suppose annoyed me the most, or worried me the most, was that um, he was un- unable to unable to prepare and present monthly accounting figures and that there was always an excuse or a reason why he couldn't do that so that was alarm bells to me straight away yes well i don't know off the back of the reporting systems from our two clicks at the time uh that that was his excuse but from what he was presented to me as and he certainly was not cheap um that uh, it didn't matter. He would uh, he would be able to basically perform wonders in the accountancy world and just make these things happen. You know, so. But um, as you and I know, David, that wasn't the case. If anything, it was the opposite of. And um, reason why we're reason why we're delving into this is is because um, um, uh, people listening, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but every business that went broke had an accountant, so they're not the be-all, end-all. And also, too, like, like um, in all the clients that I work with over the years, um, I would have to say 50% of those clients with either an internal or an external accountant, there were issues there um, that, um, that had to be sorted out that emanated from the accountant. Now, I'm not bagging accountants. Uh, I'm just pointing out the, an observation of what I've seen over the years and we, we continue to see. So this guy was an internal accountant. So so the things that he had to do were far and beyond what an external accountant would do. So, so I, I saw it from the outside and was alarmed um, um, almost, almost immediately after getting involved. And... And uh, continue on the story about what happened because well, Dick, I think uh, I'm sorry, David. Rick had um, great credentials, and I rang a number of like senior companies in the accounting world to ask for references, and uh, and uh, yeah, they uh, they said he was what he was. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure they had experienced him in. Um, in a control situation of a company. 
uh, because he eventually went on to be the general manager of our company uh, as I was spending so much time away. He, I believe, was quite capable of doing a tax return and doing accounting work. Um, I guess the fact that stepping across the line from pure accountancy to making decisions on a company basis was where things started to fall down. And um, and it was not just a, an episode of, uh, of uh, the, the larger, the big picture. It was everything small when I would get back from being away. We were overstocked with uh, stationery, um, the spending, um, was out of control, the stock was high, and this was from supposedly someone who understood companies and uh, from an accountancy background, and that's where I believe they didn't meet, and uh, and that was the side that he erred on. Also, I discovered through his personality that he would collapse under pressure. Um, and as a business owner of many businesses, that's where you really got to stand tall and uh, and display leadership when the times get tough. And uh, his personality didn't show that, and in fact, if anything, it, it showed the opposite. And uh, he would scour or even disappear um, from yeah. from the company um, uh, and not be contactable, uh, which was a very scary thing. And uh, as you know, David, he went off the radar um, when we were trying to sort things out and uh, we had to get in there and roll our sleeves up and uh, try and find out what was going on when, uh, when the pressure tell everybody about the uh, how Tell everybody about his demise and what happened at the end and how that contributed to the, um, the downfall of your company. Well, as I mentioned earlier, he discovered... Uh, a, num- a large amount of money that was owed to our company, um, most of it being from uh, overpayments to the Australian tax office. So we, uh, <clears throat> so we got into uh, an audit situation with the tax office as we, we um, submitted a claim saying that uh, it was in the hundreds of thousands and we submitted a claim to them uh, and then obviously had to back that up with uh, black and white information on how, which I believe we spent a lot of time putting together. And um, so if uh, you understand the, uh, the uh, ATO, then you go through a fairly significant and severe auditing system, which can take months, um, which we were exposed to and uh, that wasn't a problem because we believed that we had all that information and uh, he'd investigated. Um, But as the pressure mounted then uh, Rick started to become less and less available and said he had other things he had to do and uh, which seemed quite absurd based on this was the most pressing issue uh, certainly within the company and certainly within his employment in our company. Um, so we did sit through a series of audits, but um, 
as things increased and the pressure increased from the ATO, then his uh, appearance was less and less. And um, <clears throat> when they requested information, um, he would disappear. So we never really got to the bottom of the whole scenario um, of <laughs> where we were. And I think you might remember, David, at that time that you and I had to take over that role of supplying information to the ATO. Yep. And the fact that uh, our most senior staff member um, was missing in action certainly uh, uh, spawned questions from the ATO. Why? And, uh, and yeah, put a veil of... So I don't know, secrecy or across our company is why he would disappear and not be available to um, answer further questions. Uh, it was certainly a mystery to us, um, which I don't think we've ever <laughs> uncovered. I think it was just the pressure he couldn't cope with. And um, yeah, so the situation was never resolved, which had a massive impact on the health of the company and eventually led to the demise of the company. So, um, yeah, it goes back to uh, selecting someone for your business to assist you. Um, you must have a, an enormous amount of trust in that person. And, uh, uh, yeah, as a, as a beginning, not to mention qualifications and everything else, but... Uh, they don't always turn out to be what they say they are. Um, and um, back in those days, I imagine accountants just were looking. I'm not. I'm not having a go at accountants. I. Uh, I believe they're essential to every business, and uh, they absolutely have a role in what they do. But I learned the hard way that. Um, having an accountant on board permanently wasn't necessarily the answer to our prayers. Well, certainly this particular accountant who was widely, wide, widely recommended but um, had a resultant effect on the success of our business. The strong message to all business owners really is that um, you, you, must not, you must not give out um, 100% control of your business and, and abdicate responsibility. I'm not suggesting you abdicated 100% responsibility, but I come across many situations out there where where the owner of the business has, has abdicated responsibility and then retrenched themselves back into the business uh, doing some... Um, doing some um, more menial tasks and everything and, and leaving leaving the ultimate running of the business to somebody who is incompetent um, at the level that they're meant to be operating at. So that, that's the important thing. What was the final thing that happened in the end that, um, that caused the issues? About, um, remember you got a phone call from Sydney? Yes. Well, interestingly enough, it's a very uh, yeah, interesting story, this one. Um, my regular account who I've had for many years, uh, for at least nearly two decades. His nose was out of joint and I'm not sure, um, well I am sure why. Um, Rick was a uh, fairly confident sort of person and believed that he was 
be all and end all of accountants and uh, so he and my regular accountant uh, didn't see eye to eye based on that personality trait. We, uh, uh, my original accountant was receiving information from the tax department and they obviously were getting frustrated with the system so they placed a wind up notice on our company to get our attention. Um, we never received any of this information. Well, I certainly didn't. Whether Rick received it or not, uh, I cannot say. I suspect maybe he didn't. It was withheld by our original uh, accountancy firm uh, or just neglected because of the fact that, uh, as, it, as I found out later, there was a conflict between the two. And um, I received a call from a uh, insolvency lawyer in Sydney saying that they would act for us um, uh, as a result of the wind-up notice that they had read about, which we had no clue about, um, yeah. which was quite interesting because we were still dealing quite heavily with the taxation department, but I believe in a totally different um, department, and uh, they told me they have no correspondence with that particular side of the ATO. So uh, so when on virtually a daily basis we were talking to the people who were uh, involved in hopefully retrieving the large amounts of money owed to us um, and then to receive a wind-up notice from the same organisation, the ATO, uh, was, I must admit, quite a surprise. Um, and something yeah. we had to deal with urgently, but a lot of the damage was done and uh, that put us on a road uh, we didn't want to travel on because we were ill-prepared for, yeah, the, the coming months of, um, of that particular um, journey, um, I guess from the other side of the tax department who were quite ruthless. So, uh, but yes, um, the surprise factor really took the wind out of us and uh, something we never um, suspected. But not only that, um, I believe the situation um, was known to our in-house accountant at the time, but due to potentially maybe his personality or thinking that uh, things had failed or not wanting to disclose negative things to me or to the rest of the company, um, it turned out being a, uh, a surprise to us, um, the situation that we were in with the other side of the ATO. Do you remember he just disappeared one day? Yes, and not for a day or two, he disappeared indefinitely uh, mm. after this particular event and uh, the heat was really applied and uh, yes, no one could find him or contact him. Well, he lived near me, and remember you, you sent me around and because he was only a kilometre from where I lived, and I went round there, and, and the house was cleared out, and there was nobody there, and he was renting the house. We later found out he just vaporised in the atmosphere, didn't he? Yes, he was eventually found some months later after the damage was done by another accountancy firm that we employed to, to look at the, the wash-up of everything that had occurred, um, because there was still a lot of money owed to the company 
although unfortunately we had to uh, wind the company up where, uh, eventually because uh, we couldn't bring the two together, as you will remember, David. And um, so uh, uh, the end result was uh, with all the other uh, entities and things we were running, we had to eventually close this business. And, it, um, and that was after uh, spending a fair time in court with the uh, ATO defending our position and um, uh, and at a great cost as well. So yeah. eventually, you basically run out of money and, uh, and they have deeper pockets than we did and we had to, I guess, retire from the game. So it was a very sad day yeah. for me after 22 years in business in that particular business anyway. Yeah. So what's the, if you had your time again, and you were, I know it's a, it's a you can't, <laughs> it's not possible, but if you had your time again, um, and, and going back to the start of the business, uh, what advice can you give our listeners as to, can you give us five little nuggets of, of information of things that you would do differently? I wouldn't take everything at face value. I was quite naive, um, but when you're, when you're busy sometimes, you tend to neglect some of the detail and you go, you go with what other people tell you. You go with referrals and you think, well, that's one less thing I have to worry about. Someone else has had that, has done that due diligence for me, where in fact they haven't. It could be a mate, a friend, whatever. In this case, it was a mate. I found out later they were drinking mates at the hotel, my general manager and this accountant who became my general manager. That, that's, that, that's one. Um, don't, I, I learned also when things were not going so well and we had to wind the company up, that a lot of the staff that I believed in that had been with me for a long time weren't necessarily who they were. When the pressures increased and jobs were on the line, people can certainly display a different personality and um, yeah, look, I experienced theft and all sorts of things. So uh, it shocked me. So, but anyway, that's on the negative side. I guess on a positive side, David, I, in hindsight, I hadn't known about having someone like a, uh, a consultant to work with. I just relied on what people said. And uh, as an independent person that's not tied to the company, who, um, who's not getting paid a weekly wage from me as an employee, um, to have an independent person advise um, me on just running a business would be an enormous benefit to me um, probably 10 years in advance of catching up with you uh, when uh, at this stage, um, you know, we, we, we spent some time, but uh, I think the horse had already bolted in a certain sense. Yeah. And by the time that we'd gone through the transition of relieving Rick of some of his power and, um, and giving those decisions to an independent like yourself, um, uh, yeah, the as I said, the horse had bolted. So, um, I, I learned the hard way. I came through business and tested everything, made all the mistakes, and then moved on. But in the final hours of those 
business says the mistakes were too big to correct and to test and uh, so yeah it was uh, it was lights out um, because we hadn't uh, we hadn't realized the issues early enough or we didn't see them because they were being covered or yeah, yes we believe they were in good hands or I did anyway and uh, until I had someone independent come and have a look and ask the right questions which I didn't know what to ask uh, that's when I realized that we certainly weren't in the right hands so um, right. and again that was history um, yeah so uh, I, I guess the biggest out of all of those and uh, I, it's probably not five but the, the major ones were the fact of uh, generally go with your gut feel I uh, that's a great indicator it's not always the uh, um, the the way you definitely should go but your gut feel should make you dig deeper and look into certain aspects particularly in things like the accounting software I was I was never the number one person to say let's bring it on I was probably the last of the list but I took advice from a lot of people and I was pressured and um, time poor to um, to take it more seriously so uh, to business owners out there think about your gut feeling on things and then if you're not happy dig deeper don't don't accept something that you're not uncomfortable with which I did on a couple of or a number of occasions but a couple of them really come back to bite me yeah I'm very uh, when I'm consulting to clients I'm very cynical um, I don't believe anything uh, I dig and dig and dig and dig until I'm satisfied that um, what I'm looking at is correct. Uh, I think that's very important. Well, Barry, thanks for thanks for your time today. We have to move on. Um, what you've talked about there, some very very interesting lessons that you've experienced over the years, and I hope that the the existing consultants and the consultants to be who are listening to this podcast uh, can uh, can learn a lot from your from your experience over those years and uh, and perhaps apply it to their own clients as well so uh, hey did, just but just before we go what's that noise i can hear in the background oh that's the surf that's uh, it's a beautiful day here on the east coast of australia and uh the uh the uh, surf is rolling in lovely and sunny uh not dissimilar to new zealand David? It's actually raining today. We've got that cyclone that's coming down from the Pacific Islands and we're getting the tail of it. We got your, your Australian one about a week and a half ago, which put about five New Zealand towns underwater. Like I'm talking three, four metres of water. Um, worst it's ever been in 500 years, I reckon. Wow. Yeah, well, we're always... So you can keep your, keep your storms. Yes, well, we, yeah. we obviously right. realised that that weather was destined for you, David. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's excellent. Once again, thank you for your for your time, and we'll we'll touch base later. Thank you, David. Thanks. Bye. ConsultX is an online cloud-based consulting system that has everything you require to become a successful business consultant. With over a decade of development, ConsultX offers you a unique opportunity to enter the profession of business consulting with a complete system ready to run straight out of the box. In other words, once you sign up for the subscription service, you have access to everything you require to become a business consultant. 
ConsultX provides a comprehensive web-based training program where you work your way through the video training at your pace, learning all the important information we've developed over the last decade. If you want to know more, go to www.consultx.com. That's www.consultx.com. And do not forget to subscribe to this weekly podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. This podcast is called Everything Business Consulting. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.